Shut up and sit down. Hello strangers and welcome to the latest episode of Strangers in a Cinema. I'm one of your co-hosts Paul Anderson here with co-host Grace Williams. Uh, Pete is off again today and may well be for the next few weeks but we'll let you know what's going on with that when we know a bit more ourselves. Uh, Grace, how are you? I'm really well thanks, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Um, We talked a bit about the Tivoli Cinema in Bath I think a few weeks ago didn't we? We did. Uh, I've been. You've been? What did you think? Did you Uh, have a nice sleep in the cosy chairs? I did fall asleep in the midst of, I did actually drift off of it in the middle of Front Runner to be fair because Mm. I think Pete said, uh, was it last week or the week before possibly last week? Uh, that it was the worst film he would see this year. Uh, I'm not going to talk too much about the front runner. I don't think it's quite that bad, but it's certainly not the best. Okay. But the cinema itself. Yeah. It's a bit nice, isn't it? Bit nice. Yeah. 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 Did you yeah. have the full experience or just the cinema? Uh, I didn't eat. I did. I did uh, a bit of reviewing work in the cinema bar afterwards. Oh yeah. It was quite a nice, quite a nice ale that they had in there. That was Ooh. yeah. That set, set me up for a heavier than expected afternoon. Yeah. So yes. <laughs> but no, the, the place itself is is very very nice. I would say probably in the bar, stroke, lobby, restaurant area, it would be nice. It almost feels a bit like it's a shame to be a cinema. It mm. would be nice for me. It would be nice to see a few more like vintage film posters up. They've got some nice ones yeah, around by the screens. Yeah. But I don't know whether they should. For me, it should be probably celebrating the fact it's a cinema a bit more. Right. Yeah. But that being said, the screens themselves super comfortable. The, the projection was great. Like yeah. the. The whole thing looks incredible. It is lavish. It's incredibly comfortable. It is almost like sitting at home yeah. in an armchair at home. So, yeah. Um, yeah, don't go tired because you will fall asleep mm. in there because it's that comfortable. And, I mean, maybe I've got myself to blame for being sort of horizontal yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> horizontal in the armchair. Yeah. Uh, but, no, other than that, very impressed. And, you know, they were showing the front runner, which wasn't being shown anywhere else in Bath. So I think I've said before that my concerns were that what kind of films they'd be showing if they're going to be picking up films you can't see anywhere else. Yeah, exactly. Then great, then I'll definitely be down there for those. Um, but no, apart from that, it, it was good. Have you been, again, since your Only opening, in opening a, night extravaganza? Only in a sort of um, meeting area way. I haven't actually been to the cinema again yet. Um, but yeah, like like you said, I'm kind of waiting to go. So if there's... Because I've got my Limitless card, um, which I bought ages ago. I'm waiting for something that I haven't. Yeah, yeah. that's not showing at yeah. the Odeon. Um, so yeah, I'll I'll wait till then. Maybe I should go and see the front runner. Who knows? I wouldn't. To <laughs> no, be honest. Okay. <laughs> it's completely, completely unremarkable as a film. To yeah. be honest, I think it's a almost offensively bland would be the way I'd describe the front yeah. runner. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, have you been up to much else? You've got a music video out, haven't you? I'm oh drop yeah, this on you now. yeah, I See? did. I finally, after many years of the footage um, sat on my computer, I released the music video for my cover of Nirvana's "Sappy," and um, yeah, it's eight minutes long, and it kind of go. It's a bit like a short film, I guess, where it's me running away from a mass of flies that are engulfing me in a castle. So sounds interesting. <laughs> <laughs> It was a real pain, to be honest, because um, the rendering was ridiculous on it. So my computer's just like completely chocker now and just like, please don't put any more flying composites on this timeline. I can't (laughs) handle it. So I was just like, right, okay, fine, computer. I'll I'll, um, leave you to not have this on here anymore. So, yeah, it's done. It's out there. Go and watch it. 
Right, I'm gonna YouTube. I'm gonna shamelessly plug something as well now. X six six Film Festival, which everyone is aware that we have quite close affiliations with, and probably be aware that I'm working for them this year as submissions coordinator, which is all very exciting. Uh, so yeah, just a big shout out if you are a short filmmaker uh, such as Grace. Um, then uh, X66 Film Festival in Basingstoke is now open for submissions. Uh, it's a very lovely team of people working for it. I might be biased in saying that, but I obviously am biased because I'm working yeah. for them. Uh, but yeah, no, it's a lovely, it's a lovely film festival. It's going to be bigger and better this year. They're going to change up the, some of the venues, but I can't really talk about that yet because that's not confirmed. Uh, but yes, so yeah, being submissions coordinator is quite interesting to be honest. So basically, I'm. I'm dishing out the films, making sure yeah. it goes through a diverse panel of judges. Uh, I've watched some of the short films so far, which have been pretty good, to be fair. So that's quite exciting for me. So, Are you yeah. one of these judges that actually watches the thing the whole way through? Because I've talked to some film festival judges and they're like, I can tell if I like it within like 30 seconds. No, I can, uh, hand on heart, I can say <laughs> I do watch them all the way through. Good, yeah. uh, and, and But I will say that some of them, even at 15 minutes, some of them tend to drag. So mm. I can understand why people wouldn't want to. But yeah, ultimately, yeah. from my perspective... If you're judging, if you're judging someone else's work, the least you can do is watch it from start yeah. to finish. Yeah. Uh, that's certainly where I sit with it anyway. Yeah. So no, cool. I can. And as far as I'm aware, the rest of the judging panel does the same thing. So um, yeah. yes, yeah. Nice so one. very exciting, very exciting there to get there. Um, yeah. So that's our little introduction yeah. chat over. So what <laughs> have we got coming up, Grace? We've got. Ah, oh, well, of course we're going to do the um, famous section of what have you been watching. Um, which is always fun. And this week we're also going to be reviewing Split. Not Split, Glass. glass. I can see where you get confused. It's very but, confusing. Yes. Split, Glass, Unbreakable, yeah. M. Night Shyamalan, what a twist. <laughs> um, and and um, we're also going to be discussing our top five trilogies, which was a really easy list for me. I don't know about you. To be honest, yeah, I think we've done some of the lists at times are quite difficult, but the top five trilogies are kind of... A, just reeled off a list I'm just like yeah I'm comfortable with that so yeah, yeah. I'm quite excited to talk about those uh, but we'll be back after this very brief break with uh, what have you been watching what have you been watching <laughs> <laughs> well funny you should say that this week I went to see a film that you warned me against seeing because you seem to have taken completely against it from all the trailers <laughs> Uh, this is Mary Queen of Scots. This is the feature debut from, I believe, theatre director yeah. Josie Rourke, starring Saoirse Ronan and Margot Robbie as Mary Queen of Scots and Elizabeth I, respectively. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Was it good? It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. I did. Yeah, it's all right, and it isn't really any better than that. For for me, the film had some problems quite quite early on. I mean the. The story people will probably be aware of by now. Mary is the Queen of Scotland. Elizabeth's the Queen of England. Uh, yeah. Mary will not bow towards to to Queen Elizabeth mm. uh, unless she uh, unless she announces her as successor. So there's a, a rivalry between the two queens, um, which has been played out many, 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 many times in yeah. theatre and film over the years. Um, quite like what they've done with it here is the fact that they haven't. There is there's more mutual respect between the two queens in this version than in versions of this uh, this story yeah, I've seen told sure. in the past, which is quite nice. Yeah, after that, and that's where it becomes problematic. I think it's one of those films where within 10 minutes of the film started, I thought I'd walked in halfway through. Right. Uh, and there really is not much given, there's not much room given to developing the story or the characters, to be honest. The whole thing seems in quite a big rush yeah. to tell this story that spans over quite a number of years. And the whole thing just seems kind of squashed together and 
yeah, there's not not really enough to go with. To be honest, it's it's a shame because they like it looks great. Um, like the maker, the art design, and the stage direction, as you would expect from a, a production of this size, is is, is lavish. Mm. Um, and the performances from the leading lady, Saoirse Ronan, and indeed Margot Robbie are are superb. I think Margot Robbie is quickly is quickly establishing herself as yeah. one of the more talented young actresses around today, which is which is great to see. Um, but overall, yeah, I don't yeah. think it's, it's I don't think it's the disaster you were expecting. I'll, I'll be honest, because there's there's enough there's there's just about enough to like to make it right. worth a no or not. No, maybe it is a disaster you were expecting. I, it's it's <laughs> only, the only reason I shy away from because I I love the, like the Tudor age yeah. of of history, and I'm just so fed up with mainstream films completely rewriting history because it's a really good plot like with the other Boleyn girl where they made up like Anne Boleyn's sister raised Queen Elizabeth in a cottage at the end of the film like they just add extra things in for cinematic effect where actually the real life story is just as exciting they don't really need to change Mm. anything um I believe with this film there's a meeting between the two queens and they didn't actually see each other at all um and it's funny how um, Queen Elizabeth is. Um, that's two Australians that have portrayed her now. <laughs> what, what is it with all the Aussie actresses playing Queen Elizabeth? That's quite interesting. Who next, eh? Is it going to be Isla Fisher? Could as, be. You never know. <laughs> whatever redheads. Could be quite a good fit. To be um, fair. <laughs> and um, I, I thought I, I just found Margaret Robbie's false nose quite off-putting. <laughs> but, no, that's not too much of a distraction, to be honest. It's, yeah, it's just for me. It's just the thing. It's just that the thing feels rushed, and it, yeah. it, the, the story just isn't that engaging for me anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would say it's it's not great. It's not a complete disaster, but there are better films yeah, releasing sure. in this awards window. Sure. Is it the best uh, Queen sure. Elizabeth in comparison with Because I love Kate Blanchett's Queen Elizabeth. I think she's just like the. the, the to be honest, the, the Queen Elizabeth in this is kind of relegated to more of a supporting role. The, really? the focus is definitely more on Saoirse okay. Ronan's Mary, who is great, like without a doubt. I think Saoirse Ronan's a fantastic actress. So, yeah, yeah, she's yeah. Good. So yeah, then that's yeah. Elizabeth is is sidelined a lot in this <sighs> comparatively to other versions of the story. So. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, obviously we'll go to Kate Blanchett because you see a lot more of Elizabeth in those films. Mm, mm, um, yeah. Yeah. What have you What have you seen? I've, to be honest, since um, the Punisher dropped on Friday, I've just been Punishered out. Like it's just been so intense. I've, Sorry, you've gone with Punishered out instead of Punished. I've been no <laughs> Punishered out. I've been punished because it's not a punishment. It's not a punishment. But that's also a pun. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I just I I love the Punisher. Um, I, I I really enjoy the um, well. Unfortunately, mo- most of them are leaving Netflix now. But that the TV Marvel stuff because it's so New York, and I love anything that's set in New York. If you tell me it's set in New York, I will watch it, whatever it is. So, but like, and um, this Punisher, he is so like archetype New York, and John Bethnal's acting is so amazing, and it's. Um, because it's it's not too superhero so, so I think it's a, a lot more accessible to just your average um, person who doesn't who's not really into comics and what have you um, and the whole it, it's picked up from the first series and it's it's like a similar similar character similar tropes but it's just ramped up to 11 now it's amazing so I've been intensely watching that but film wise I have managed to squeeze some in um so I I don't know why but I watched the remake of Overboard with Anna Faris that looks atrocious I, I'll be honest 
it's <laughs> it's not great, but weirdly it was I think um was it released in two thousand eighteen, it was Mexico's highest grossing film of that year, I think. Because okay. it is across um American Mexican production because right. it's like half half Spanish, half in English. Um but yeah, no, it wasn't wasn't great. It was um not Anna Faris's finest moment. Still like good, but um yeah, not two hours of my life but maybe not I a worthwhile shouldn't. remake then. No, not at all. No. No. <laughs> Fair so, enough. yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> I got two in there. Sorry. What have you been watching? Uh no, that's fine, that's fine. Go for it. <laughs> uh, so I watched uh Paul Verhoeven's English language debut from nineteen eighty five, a quite frankly at times bizarre, but then what would you expect from Paul Verhoeven, I suppose? Bizarre sort of um fantasy knights and knights and maidens epic called flesh and blood uh i should have put that title in sooner i apologize uh yeah called flesh and blood starring rick ahoya and jennifer jason lee um yeah i mm, there's there's it's very difficult with this so basically you have kind of i think two two sort of competing gangs sort of sort of uh, troops of mercenary knights basically mm. um Rukahoya leads this with this one particular group who are betrayed by like a rich a rich landowner who betrays all their money and then they they start feuding with the kind of like the rich landowner and they get a castle and then someone takes a castle and then they get chased and they get chased. So right. it's kind of it's a backwards and forwards. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee is a princess who's due to be married to one of the rich landowners who then fall who gets kidnapped by Rukahoya the the Rukahoya's characters knight well not knights but his gang of his gang of nerdwells formed for okay. that word. Mm. Um Jennifer Jason Lee gets taken by them, then kind of falls in with them, falls in love with Rukahoya's character, but then is still in love with the other character. Uh it's interesting. There really is course, really, really struggled with the rape scene here. Uh I'll be honest that Jennifer Jason Lee does appear at times to be enjoying so uh, be warned on that basis, but mm. then I don't know what people expect from Paul Verhoeven, Paul Verhoeven well, yeah. apart from controversy. But all that really does, if if you take aside any take aside any ethical questions over that, which you shouldn't, but for the sake of this review, yeah, yeah, I will yeah. briefly gloss over the ethical issues. So I struggled with that for the obvious reasons mm. of the fact that I'm a human being yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. with a heart. Also, the, the scenes like that make it very difficult. You're not really sure who you're supposed to root for in this film after that point. Yeah. It's like, okay. Um, He's kind of played, Rick Ahoya kind of plays the role as this kind of anti-hero kind of character. I'm like, just seen them rape people. Mm. like, And then, am I supposed to root for these people after this? I don't mm. really understand. And then it's mm. kind of like, the heroic kind, but then the heroic kind of knight-like character is from a rich family who betray everyone and fuck right. everyone over. So, yeah. yeah, it's a difficult film to engage with at times. Right. And it's, the, the action, the set pieces are great, as you'd expect from from Paul Verhoeven. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, there's, uh, there's uh, for those who enjoy the over-the-top gore, that's here as well. So there's a lot of, uh, yeah, there's a lot of gory sword fights and that mm. kind of thing, which is a lot of fun. But it's it feels a little bit bloated at two hours. I think it probably could have been half an hour shorter. Right. Um, it's certainly not Paul Verhoeven's best work by a long stretch, but mm-hmm. then some of Paul Verhoeven's best work is incredible. So, yeah. yeah, it's I'd say if you're a fan of Paul Verhoeven, it's worth watching from a completionist point of view, but yeah. everyone else probably stay clear. I should have stayed cleared of Murder Party, which I... I like Murder Party. I was really into it up until the actual party started happening, and then I just sort of got a bit lost. So the premise is a guy finds a random invitation on the street, makes a costume out of cardboard, and he has an adorable cat, makes a really nice (laughs) sweet potato, no, pumpkin pie, sorry, turns up at this warehouse. These people are trying to 
do an art installation of his murder. I wasn't quite sure, and then I kind of <laughs> I'd like drop seed a bit halfway through, and then I woke up, and then I was like, oh, that now there's a, a film crew here, and I'm not really sure what's going on. Yeah, I didn't really wasn't on board with it. It's, it a, it's a bizarre film it for sure. Very, I... You know, don't get me wrong. For a low budget film, it was an interesting idea, and I'm glad you know that they made it. But yeah, it wasn't. I think we talked. Did we talk about this on the show? Yeah, you said it's the it guy was... that made. It's the guy that made Blue Ruin and yeah, Green Room. Yeah, and Hold the Dark. And weirdly enough, has directed the certainly the first episode of season three of True Detective now. Right. Strangely enough, so yeah, but I think I'm pretty sure it's his first film. It may even be a student film. To be yeah, fair, that's yeah, because I love you know I love Blue Ruin and um, Green Room, the two fantastic movies. So. But you know, you yeah, you can see his style and tone from it. But yeah, it was just I was a bit, bit confused. But maybe that's just my my brain. No, fair enough. I mean, yeah. I I liked it. It's yeah. th- it's certainly not polished. No, <laughs> like, no, no, so, not yeah, at all. Without that's a doubt, fine. certainly unpolished. But I quite liked it. Yeah. Um, the last thing I want to talk about this week uh, is a film called Batman Ninja. Oh yeah. Like, if that doesn't, if I'm sorry, if that doesn't excite you, then you're not a human being. Yeah. Uh, this is a Batman animated adventure where, thanks to Gorilla Grodd, yeah, yeah he's a character in mm. Batman, uh, not one that I was familiar with, and I've read uh-huh. probably more Batman than I've read anything else. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so Gorilla Grodd makes a time machine. Batman goes back in time to find that the all of the major villains are running uh, different areas of feudal Japan, um, led by. The Joker, surprise, surprise. Of course. Um, and Harley Quinn's here as well. Um, yeah, the animation is probably second only to Into the Spider-Verse in terms of the quality of how it looks. It's directed okay. by a guy called Junpei Muza- Mizuaki. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with that and yeah. commit to that, who I yeah. believe is a fairly established anime director mm-hmm. um, in his own right. So, the, yeah, they, they've doubled down on the Japanese style, which looks great. So yep. it, it feels does feel very very cool there's a lot there's a lot of steampunk elements in here that work mm. quite well and give give it quite fresh feeling for a batman story uh and then there's giant robots um for me it loses its way at this point and gets a bit too japanese for its own good right. there's, there's giant robots that will connect together the joker's mm. got a robot penguin's got a robot oh, two-face has got a robot there's big dueling robots and it get it all gets a bit too bizarre oh. for its own good i think at that point so it's a shame. For me, it's a little bit of a missed opportunity because when it started, and probably for the first half an hour, I was just like, oh my word, this is great. Mm. Like, what a, what a place to set Batman. This just looks incredible. And then it just, yeah, it gets to, there's no real space mm. for need for the giant robots. And it looked, the set pieces with the aforementioned robots look very, very cool. And like the, the creation of them, the steampunk creation is great. And the imagination that goes into it, you know, you've got to respect all of that. Yeah. But for me, it didn't really fit the source material or the character. So it's a film with two halves. Um, again, if you like Batman, definitely watch it because you get to see Batman fight ninjas. Yeah. So and Batman as a ninja. So you know, from the, the eight-year-old Paul, eight-year-old Paul approves of ninja Batman right. yeah. and giant robots. Mm-hmm. But thirty-six-year-old Paul says those nah. two things don't necessarily work together. <laughs> no, no, no. So, no, I don't. I don't agree that those work together at all. No. Quite right. Um. Last thing I watched was the Funky Monks documentary, the making of Blood Sugar Sex Magic, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, just an hour long 
little documentary which I found on YouTube, which was nice. Um, and I really, because um, I'm, I'm in the middle of making a sort of um, making of an album documentary at the moment anyway, so um, it was suggested to me that I watched it because they want the band wanted the to replicate the tone and feel of this documentary and. Um, yeah, it was just really awesome. It was like the 90s. It was black and white. It was Anthony Kiedis trying to sing in tune. It was a load of boys dicking about, playing guitars, making jokes. Loved it. And it was um, uh, filmed in the Houdini house in LA um, as well. Um, lots of flea bass action. It was just a really nicely made documentary. Um, I recommend it. Funky Monks on YouTube. Good. Do I'll seek it. it out. I'll seek it out. Right. Well, that's it for what we've been watching this week. We'll be back after this brief break with a feature review of Glass. <laughs> <laughs> So glass is not split. Um, so glass is the long-awaited. Bear with us here, listeners. The glass is the long-awaited third part in a trilogy that started with Unbreakable was continued in secret until the very end of Split. So spoiler warning: if you haven't seen Split, I mean you probably should have worked it out by now yeah. by the fact you've seen the poster for Glass. So I'm not too worried about that. So at the end of Split, it was revealed in fact that Split was a secret. Uh, sequel to Unbreakable, yeah. uh, and that it happened in the same universe. And Bruce Willis, uh, Bruce Willis's David Dunn, turns up at the end of Split, mm. uh, and then so Glass basically picks up the story uh, where David Dunn is hunting uh, the Horde, played by James McAvoy, who is a character with split personalities. Uh, one of which is the Beast, who is incredibly powerful to, I would say, sort of supervillain. Yes, yeah. powerful. Yeah. Uh, David Dunn, for those not aware, has got superpowers. He's incredibly strong, but his weak weakness is water. He can't be hurt essentially, and he's never been ill. If mm-hmm. I remember rightly from Unbreakable, uh, and this all and they so basically so the film opens with them having David Dunn chasing the horde. They get captured by a mysterious what we think is a government organization uh, and put into psychiatric hospital alongside Samuel L. Jackson's Mr. Glass character from Unbreakable. Yeah. And the Mr. Glass character in Unbreakable was incredible. So I came into this pretty excited, to be honest, to see Samuel L. Jackson back as Mr. Glass mm. uh, and Bruce Willis back as David Dunn. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're going to have a clip and then we'll tell you what we thought. Madam, I am Mr. Pritchard. I'm a professor of cinema. Specifically Japanese, 1950s and 1980s. And I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing here. I am very much in favor of Kevin's re-emergence, and yet I find myself in a goddamn prison cell, and I can assure you I am not an... Young man, wait! You will not be able to get to the light. It is set off by distance, as well as being monitored by a camera. I know this seems very unfair to you, but you are stuck in this room. Guy, the beast fought, he's right there. You can't beat the beast. You don't think you can beat the beast, does he? Huh? Beast like, mm. huh. Don't think you can beat the beast, buddy. So, Grace, are you, are you a fan of this this series of films in prior to going into Glass? Is this something you've? Is this a, is this a sequel you've been eagerly anticipating? Well, I saw Unbreakable like ages and ages and ages ago, so I just remembered like the very basics of 
uh, Bruce Willis's character in that. And then I really enjoyed Split. I think a lot more than the people around me enjoyed it and they were sort of like why did you enjoy Split so much that was a bit naff so then with Glass being announced I was like yes this is gonna be so good and I'm really excited about this and Bruce Willis is gonna be so grisly and then yeah like I I enjoyed the ride but not as much as I thought I would for Glass. No I I think I'm with you on that one I think for me I I'm always I'm a big fan of, of films taking big swings yeah. like, in either direction, and I'd rather sometimes there are points where I'd rather a film took a swing and missed, uh, although not Star Wars: Last Jedi. Uh, I'd rather a film took a swing and missed than didn't try and do something a little bit different with it. Mm. Um, and I think Glass that definitely takes some big swings. Yeah. Um, for me though, I think I thought Split was okay. I had some problems with the, the fact that the almost lazy use of Split personality disorder. I had some problems with, although James McAvoy's having good fun, I thought like the Hedwig character, I think my wife said the same thing. She looked at me and she was like, M. Night Shyamalan hasn't spent any time with nine-year-old children because children don't speak like <laughs> the way the Hedwig character talks in Glass, uh, Glass and in Split. So, yeah, I had a few problems with Split. I thought it was fine. I loved the ending. I yeah. say, I literally, I remember trying to do that thing where you click your fingers together yeah there's no point doing this on there because no. you can't see what i'm trying to do yeah, yeah. i couldn't do it but i got very excited at the end i was like fuck yes that was better than the whole film itself so yeah i was middling the split but i loved unbreakable so yeah. um yeah so going into this yeah it, it takes some swings is, is where i was going with it for me I, I quite like the first half i quite like them sitting in psychiatric hospital i quite like the fact it almost deliberately toys against expectation and doesn't do anything with the characters i mm. think a lot of people go into this it's not the sequel you're expecting uh, at all yeah um but perhaps it's the sequel that we deserve <laughs> <laughs> um but no it's a, it, it toys it certainly toys with expectation and the fact that you've got a lot of talking throughout the first bit of the film i yeah. quite liked in fact and I, I i thought i was quite impressed with the way they did that because yeah. it, it was it was interesting it did something different apart from bruce willis who got his script through the post and was like yes i've only got 15 lines but in the, this entire but this, movie see, this this comes down to my this comes down to my problem with the film is that <laughs> yeah. i wanted to see a sequel to unbreakable yeah i didn't want to see a sequel to split yeah uh, and what i feel we got here was a sequel to split yeah with go with with what almost felt like at times uh, just a passing nod to Unbreakable. Yeah, I wasn't that interested in the character of the Horde. Um, no. I certainly wasn't interested enough for the, almost the first half of the film to be entirely devoted to mm. the Horde. Don't think Samuel L. Jackson or Bruce Willis had enough screen time in this at all. Yeah, and I think that's a shame because I think what what was great about Unbreakable was the fact that you had a super strong uh, hero and a brainy villain. Yeah. Uh, with no physical powers whatsoever. And yeah. I think that the fact that it would have, I would have much rather seen a film where Samuel Jackson outsmarts Bruce Willis uh, and yeah. doesn't have a henchman, basically, which is what the Beast kind of... So yeah. it's bizarre. So the, the film focuses on the Beast for quite a lot of the first half of the film. Samuel Jackson then uh, becomes a more... Samuel Jackson's Mr. Glass becomes a more active active character later on in the film and then that relegates the film that they focus the character they focus on start with basically to a henchman mm -hmm. and that's where I, I struggled a bit really I wanted to see more of David Dunn's character and I wanted to see more of Mr Glass in this and I don't think we got enough of both for my liking yeah it's almost like um Shyamalan wanted to make this amazing film and then Bruce Willis was like 
oh, I'm too old and grisly and I don't really want to do movies anymore, but I will because I like the money. And then Samuel Jackson's like, but I'm too busy being Nick Fury all the time. You'll have to slot me in this state, this state, and this state. So yeah, he's like, maybe oh, it's okay. budget because I did read somewhere that it was made for 20 million. So right, maybe yeah. maybe it's a limitation of budget because I yeah. mean, there are, there are some set pieces that come towards the end and they're okay. Um, but like there's bits where you've got the beast just go like going raw yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at Bruce Willis and like is that a bit rubbish? Like, is that a bit rubbish? Yeah, yeah. Like, that's a little bit rubbish. I'm sorry. Like, and yeah. like it's in the first half. Of, yeah, and then you've got a twist which is okay, and then you've got another twist. I think when it's revealed as to what's going on, and yeah. you're like, what? Couple of good twists. I don't know if the last twist is a good twist though. When you revealed, when it's revealed who the organization is, like who, who. Um... I think that was my favorite twist. I think. Because I don't think there was. I just, I didn't, for me, that, that didn't work because there's no reference to these people in either of no, the other no, films. No, 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 but I, I, I like, I like the, I think I like the idea of it more than the yeah. um, application of it in the film. Maybe. Yeah, and I, yeah, and again, it takes, you know, it, it, again, I'll, I'll take my hat off to Shyamalan for taking some risks because, like, I know, without, we don't do spoilers on the show, so I'm not going to, certainly not going to attempt to spoil it now, but yeah. w- with the with what happens towards the end of the film i thought that was a bold choice yeah it didn't work for me but Mm. i'll give him Mm. give him credit for for where he takes the film idea it's like with when people uh complain about the uh star wars prequels like well it's kind of george lucas's baby that's what he wanted to do with it and last jedi to 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 last jedi as well like whatever you think of last jedi i don't like it you know i've made that quite clear and i will probably continue to make it quite clear clear too but ryan johnson (laughs) again like he's taken some pretty major risks yeah and they didn't work for me but i'll give no. him credit for trying something different yeah and it's not um, his fault that the studio didn't stop and go killing off luke what yeah. are you doing yeah you absolutely <laughs> so so yeah i think it's no, i don't think i don't think uh glass is a complete disaster no i'll be honest i said i, I the stuff in the actual hospital i really quite liked i yeah. quite enjoyed that i quite yeah. enjoyed the fact they're kind of analyzing what it means to be a superhero or supervillain about how people deal with it and I, I, how people would deal with it I, i've always liked I like the very much like the grounded approach of Unbreakable, and I think my problem comes from the fact my problem stems from the fact that Split exists, yeah, okay. which isn't grounded at all. Um, it's just it's just nonsense. Mm. Um, and then this has taken a lot of the more supernatural elements from Split, which are not the bits that I liked about Unbreakable. So that's when my problems come with it. But not a disaster, but at the same time, didn't deliver what I wanted personally. Yeah, I mean, I I. I think I enjoy Split more just from like a acting perspective because I think James McAvoy is having fun, but I think it it's it's really interesting to see someone be that many people in one film, and it certainly that like the Hedwig character, the voice is really irritating, but I like the sort of physical acting with that. But I think maybe the the amount of personalities are quite. It's overwhelming, and it's also, <laughs> if 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 then um, Shyamalan was trying to explore kind of like a We Are Legion type thing, then I would have liked there more to be a kind of biblical or religious aspect in that respect. Then I kind of the horde is kind of like similar to a legion. Thing, yeah, I'm yeah, thinking. Ab- no, it is. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah, um, I completely forgot that Samuel L. Jackson wears a Prince Purple Rain kind of suit, and that's in in. Um, the film, so I was just like, "Yes, he's wearing his purple well, suit again." I remember watching, I remember watching Unbreakable uh, <laughs> with my wife quite recently, and I, I was I'd forgotten about Mr. Glass's sense of style, and yeah. I thought Richard Ayoade has just basically stolen Mr. Glass's fashion has sense. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
but yeah so i to be honest yeah the, my next um halloween costume i want to wear like a kind of be prince or mr glass like in in one um but yeah it was i really liked the um the scene when they're all in the pink room and it's all really pastely and it's like they're in a kind of um nursery or something yeah. and they're kind of and they're regret talking about their beginnings as superheroes yeah. so i really i i think Shyamalan's use of um color was really um nice in this film and oh sarah paulson's face gets bigger and bigger every time i see her and stuff <laughs> my god <laughs> and it's like she just like accentuates her her lisp every time as well so it's just like she's she's i really like her but she's suddenly gone from like small parts in american horror story to leading lady and yeah i'm like quite shocked always because she had such a small part in bird box as well and now she's kind of um yeah leading this film really but she's she's a good actress but yeah yeah i like sarah paulson in this i think she, yeah. her, her character is yeah is, is good but yeah, she, she basically plays the, the, the therapist that's trying yes. to cure them of the of their... cure them of their delusion essentially and i, I thought something was uh, I, I thought it was a bit off at the beginning when she's like we've got three days to try and assess you and i was like three days to assess whether someone's a superhero yeah. you know not to <laughs> not to you know give away twists or whatever but that was kind of like i said that there were little things throughout the whole thing where i was like and um i loved the fact that there was the um was it the osaka tower was that the name of the new oh the film? new the, a new marvel yeah but but then i was like oh amazing so like bruce willis in die hard it's a nagasaki tower yeah. and now this one it's this osaka tower and i was like is bruce willis just gonna be associated with japanese named tall towers now <laughs> amazing okay so um but yeah i i yeah it was it was okay it was an experience i i appreciate Shyamalan's uh, originality and trying to write something. Yeah, I think I'm with but... you on that one. So I would say check it out, but with the kind of with a proviso that it's not. Again, there's worse. There's certainly worse films you see this year. I say there's quite a lot. Um, it's not a disaster, but at the same time, it, it didn't quite leave me as satisfied as I would have liked. Yeah. Um, because I personally think Unbreakable is probably his best film. Yeah. So, but Samuel yeah. Jackson's performance in this, when he was on the screen, yeah. was really good. Like that when he's. Well, um, it's nice to see him acting again and not just yes, chewing up the scene. Completely. When he's sedated and yeah. he's like doing all his facial twitches, I was just like, oh, he's so good, isn't he? He's such a good actor. Yeah. Give give him more drama to stop putting him in these like the hitman's bodyguard and stuff he's a, he's amazing yeah it was genuinely nice to see him yeah. act again to be honest yeah. and not just be samuel L. jackson on screen so yeah, yeah that was yeah. good it was good mm-hmm. yeah good good and bad good and bad for split uh, glass well i can't even remember what it's called <laughs> glass it's called glass so good and bad for glass right anyway that's enough of glass split unbreakable trilogy uh we'll be back after this with you can see the link here because it's the end that was the end of a trilogy yeah. so we'll be back after this with the final part in this show's trilogy which is our Top five trilogies. Yes. Right. Top five trilogies. We were saying when we started that this was quite an easy <laughs> list to put together. Yeah. And you could probably tell because it, it was. I was quite excited. I was just like, right, this is this is good. I'm so excited. Uh, do you want to go first with number five? Yes. Okay. My number five is the Naked Gun trilogy. Naked oh, Gun trilogy. What a oh. shock. <laughs> No, that's fair. It's very funny, to be honest. Why why Naked Gun Trilogy? Because each of those films is just absolutely hilarious and I just cry with laughter every time I see Leslie Nielsen on screen and they are just so funny and I can watch them again and again and again. 
I think yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on watching them again and again and again. It hasn't made my list, uh, no, but I'm with you. I'm not you know, surprised. With, with being able to watch them again and again and again because Leslie, as you say, yeah. Leslie Nielsen is fantastic. Yeah, and 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 thing with my trilogy list is I was trying to think of like apart from one on my list, most of my trilogies, I was like, yeah, the first one's good. Yeah, the second one's great. The third one wasn't that great. So with this, I was just like, what? I was trying to think of trilogies where every single one I enjoyed as much as the next, as the last one. So. Yeah, that's on there for me at my number five. Good. That's so nice. my number five is the <clears throat> Back to the Future trilogy. Ah, oh, that got knocked off for me because of Back to the Future three. Yeah. So I don't dislike Back to the Future three as I can understand why people struggle with Back to the Future three yeah, because no, you're like, what cowboys? Yeah. I remember again, eight year old Paul. I mean, eight year old yeah. Paul is is any age of child. I just okay, described yeah, him as yeah. eight year old Paul. Eight year old Paul went to see that at the cinema. Uh, I remember it in Bournemouth, in fact. Oh, and okay. was incredibly excited to see Back to the Future 3. Mm. And eight-year-old Paul was like, fucking cowboys. <laughs> like, great. However, the older you get, the more you go, fucking cowboys? Yeah. Why is there cowboys? Yeah, Why is there cowboys yeah. in this for? Yeah. Um, but that being said, the strength of the first two is incredible. I really, really like both of the first two films. I think are, yes. are great. I, I like yeah. both of them a lot. Yeah. Um, they're a whole heap of fun. And even the third one has, for me, it's got some redeeming features. Maybe it's because I watched it at the cinema as a kid yeah. and that I've ne- never quite, never quite escaped the, yeah, I, the that, train scene. Back to the Future 1 and 2 are two of my favourite movies of all time. Like, I flipping love Back to the Future. I cosplay as Marty McFly quite a lot around the house. <laughs> I've got the cat, but everything. But yeah, but yeah, just for, off, th- the third film is okay, but it just didn't quite make my list just for... I wouldn't revisit it. No. I wouldn't rewatch it a lot. No, fair enough. I don't enough. think it didn't. And that weird bit at the end where the kid's on the train, does he like point to his peen? And it's a bit like, why are you pointing to your peen, kid? You're a bit weird. There's some weird like Easter egg in that film where I he just, noticed he's that. like, suck it or something. And you're like, what are you doing? You're from the Western Times. So we should move on now. Uh, <laughs> what's your number four? Weird. Number four, guys. It's so weird. What's your fourth favourite trilogy? <laughs> Evil Dead trilogy. Oh, this very nearly, this very nearly made my list. I have to say, uh, and didn't. But yeah, go on. Tell me, tell me why. Because they're amazing. They are amazing. To be um, yeah. No. Um, okay. So first one um, is an amazing uh, example of low budget cinema. It's iconic. It um, changed the face of horror films. Um, it's freaky. Second one is kind of like the first one, but it's still amazing and memorable and terrifying. And then Army of Darkness is just amazingly cool. And I didn't think that zombies in medieval-ish times with um, Ash Williams being in those times would work, but it's just as iconic as the first and second films. And um, yeah, so that's why that's my number four. That's fair. I'm, not, I'm thinking now, looking at the rest of my list, maybe it should have been in there and it isn't. But at least you've mentioned it, so that's good. I mentioned it. I mentioned it, yeah. like I, Again, like I'm a massive Evil Dead geek and I will buy pretty much anything you throw at me about like Evil Dead, Ash versus Evil Dead. Um, my surname's Williams, Ash Williams. In my head, he's like my weird uncle. You okay, know? good. So, you know, I, I'm, I feel like I'm invested in the universe okay. of Evil Dead as well. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I equally. Again, I think if I'll you think films. Ash is your uncle, you might need to talk to someone more professional than myself <laughs> <laughs> about this. <laughs> I think it'd be quite cool. But who would you rather have, Ash Williams or Robbie Williams? Come on now. He has to have a choice. Uh, I'm not sure why there is a choice there. Should we, should we do Williams. my number four? 
okay. Just give me a steam my number four. You're worrying me Stop now, Stop with your bad jokes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so my number four is the Dark Knight trilogy. Um, I know people have issue with Dark Knight Rises. I do not. I love it almost as much as I love Dark Knight. Uh, that's controversial. I don't care. Uh, it made me cry in the IMAX more than once. Um, we've told this story ages ago on a podcast about embarrassing cinema stories when I cried like a baby in Dark Knight Rises uh, more than once uh, to the point where I missed the whole bit where they're like, oh, there's an autopilot in the um, Batwing. And I was just like, Batman's dead! Really? <laughs> no, honestly, I was crying like a baby. Oh. And I looked around expecting everyone else to be crying like a baby. No, it wasn't happening. No one. No. No one. Um, so, yeah, the Dark Knight is just a superb piece of cinema just an epic piece of action cinema and batman begins might be my favorite of the three in terms of what it did to ground the batman character and kind of undo the damage done by joel schumacher's absolute disaster absolutely disastrous efforts i know comic book purists might not be with that (laughs) that keen on the dark knight trilogy but i am to be honest i have so many loads of people like over oh, the the Dark Knight trilogy is the best are the best Batman films. I'm just like no, you're wrong though because Batman 1989 is the best Batman film. Shut up. So I actually find that a lot of comic book fans love the Dark Knight trilogy and they love the serious tone of Batman. Okay. To be honest, like Batman is one of those characters where you can kind of apply a serious tone because he is so yeah. dark and brooding. Um, but for me, um, Dark Knight is one of the greatest films of all time. Heath Ledger's performance is iconic. Yeah, absolutely that film is yeah. no on perfect, but either side of it, I can I can give them a miss. Okay. Like we've had Dark Knight Rises sat in our flat for a long time, um, and my past like, should we just put it on? I'm like, you can watch it without me. That's all right. I don't need to revisit. Yeah, no, I think I, I, I can. Yeah, I can under I can understand people's problems with with Dark Knight Rises for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't share them, but I can no. I can fully understand where people where people are coming from with it. And I think it was almost like an impossible task for Nolan to put that together yeah, because of course. he wanted to bring Joker back yeah. for part three. And then do yeah. you do you recast? Do you not recast? So I think it's just like, okay, shit, what do I do now? Oh, I'll have um, food, I will. Yeah, which I quite like Tom Hardy as Bane, to be honest. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just different. Where do you go after yeah, that? Yeah, 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 um, of course. And yeah, there is, you know, I, I also there's the argument, I've had this out with a, with quite a close friend of mine. It was just like, why do you like it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like this, talking to me like, why do you like it? Like Batman. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just like, well I, well, I do. And he was like, but there's, Batman's not fucking in it and this doesn't happen and this this is stupid and like, there's no way yeah. all the police are going underground and there's so many silly things. Yeah. Like, how did he fix his, how did he fix his broken back in Batman that little time? I'm like, I don't care, I loved it. <laughs> like, yeah, so, yeah, sure. Yeah, so no, number exactly. four for me is the Dark Knight trilogy. What is Amazing. your number three, Grace? Um, Controversially, as I said about third films being rubbish, um, Godfather trilogy... I've never seen Godfather Part 3, Grace. That's, well, my, that's my film uh, confession for this week. That's all right. But it is like Godfather Part 3, I still enjoyed it. And I think the main criticism of that is that um, Sophia Coppola and Francis Ford Coppola's daughter um, plays uh, Michael's daughter in it. And she's not a very good actress. So right. it kind of. Um, and, and it's a bit too. It's almost like, oh, we've got modern day effects now so let's make everything more like bright and epic whereas the beauty of the first two films is they're just really beautifully shot yeah absolutely movies um but yeah like i um so i'm letting it on my list for having a third bad film just because one and two are just so amazing yeah for sure um perfect films again new york so long island um 
pretty sure it's Long Island. Um, amazing, amazing cast. Um, it's um, it hits you emotionally. It hits you in a ah, factor. Um, it's really well constructed. Um, it's got the original involvement of the original uh, novelist um, and um, Marlon Brando's iconic performance. Just yeah, makes it a heavyweight of films really. So that's my that's there. Good. No, that's fair. I said I will watch Godfather Part 3 at some point, probably when I make the wife watch sit through Godfather Part 1 and 2, because she's not watched either yet, so it's quite exciting. So, so yes, I will get on and watch Godfather Part 3. In the meantime, though, my uh, number three top... Not my number there. My number three trilogy is uh, Park Chanuk's The Vengeance Trilogy. Uh, this is Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, Old Boy, and Lady Vengeance. Ah! Okay, I haven't seen the. I've only seen Old Boy. I haven't okay. seen either side. So yeah, they are a thematic, a thematic trilogy. Okay. So they're not. They don't follow on, but the themes mm. of the themes of revenge, believe it or not, and bearing in mind it's called the uh, Vengeance trilogy. Uh, yeah, Old Boy. I think that everything's been said on Old Boy that probably will ever be said on Old Boy. It's just incredible, and mm. that twist is just gut wrenching. Like mm. when you find out what's going on, but yeah. at the same time. Not only is the storytelling great, the performances are great, but the way Park Chan-wook's cinematography is just stunning, yeah. and the way he used the way he uses violence in all three of these films, in fact, is just nothing short of exceptional. He really mm. understands how to use it, when to use it, and just to make it look beautiful. Yeah, like, and, and that's a weird thing to say where violence can look beautiful, but Park Chan-wook does that mm. certainly in all of these films. And uh, yeah, if you watch any of his films, like the way they look is just absolutely incredible. Mm. The use of color in all of these films, the use of the cut, certainly the use of the color of blood in these films is just, yeah. it's just nothing short of magnificent. And um, mm. yeah, if you haven't seen the others, then I urge you to urge you to seek them yeah, out. Old yeah. Boy is probably the best, I think. Yeah. Um, but the other two, Lady Vengeance and Sympathy, Mr. For, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, are certainly no slouches either. So yeah. definitely check them out if you haven't already. And talking of Samuel L. Jackson and that remake. Ooh. I haven't seen the old boy remake. Have I you not? Quite, no, I kind of want to avoid it. It's Spike oh, Lee, though, isn't it? It's She's Spike Lee. Like, it's Josh yeah. Brolin. It's Samuel L. But it's also Elizabeth Olsen <clears throat> and um, the um, South African guy from District 9 and um, all that. But he does a weird... Charlton Copley. That's it. And yeah. he does a really weird English accent in it. So um, that makes it go from way up to... Whoosh. But yeah, yeah, watch it. Good action sequences, but okay. a bit weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ah, oh, my number two is Lord of the Rings. Uh, Grace is yeah. my number two as well. Woo! I don't care if people think I'm a geek. I flipping love those movies. I love the books. They are so um, rich in um, their own world. And um, I, I flipping love in those Extended words. versions or theatrical cuts? Oh, I have seen both. I think the extended versions may be a bit too much for me. A little bit. There's a bit too. Oh, it's the wrong answer, Grace. Is it? Oh, it's I'm the wrong sorry. Answer. I'm sorry. Let's try again. Extended versions of theatrical cuts. <laughs> Extended versions. Yay! Yay! <laughs> um, yeah, like I can't really put into words how amazing those films are. It's really difficult because there's just so much going on, um, and for what, like, what was Peter Jackson's? For, for someone who's got, who went from he went from sort of brain heavenly dead cre- heavenly creatures brain yeah. dead brain and dead then bad taste yeah Lord of the Rings and you're just like yeah to shit. for him to go from fairly restricted budget filmmaking to just yeah. having loads of money and just almost knowing exactly where to spend it like mm. Fellow- I watched Fellowship again not that long ago mm. actually it's just superb yeah 
just beautifully shot. Yeah. Uh, the characters are all engaging. Like yeah. the, the villa, the ring wraiths are genuinely terrifying. Yeah, they are. They are, yeah. It's actually it's quite nice that actually he's taken what he takes uh, what he takes from his low budget kind of horror filmmaking beginnings. Yeah, it actually applies pretty well to Lord of the Rings, I think, in okay. terms of the way like the goblins and the orcs are made, the uruk are made. That's like yeah. proper horror cinema, like the and the like the Dark Tower, like the yes. Tower where Saruman is. Like the, you yeah. can tell, and that's genuinely scary. And the ring yeah. wraiths again, pretty much like the ghost from the Frighteners, but that's fine because Peter Jackson directed the Frighteners. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. That's all good, but he, so he takes those elements of horror filmmaking and applies them so well to so well to fantasy. I think in across the trilogy, to be honest. Mm. And I just think, yeah, there's there's an obvious obvious love for the source material in what they're doing. You can tell when they were making it, the whole thing was an absolute just an yeah. absolute joy to be a part of. To the point yeah. where all the cast have got fellowship tattoos. Yeah, I think. Um, I've got a signed Two Tower soundtrack. Somewhere in this room, which Ooh. I need to find. Yeah, I met the car. I met the cast on the. They came off of a Eurostar train, and oh, I happened to be there at the that's time. Amazing. Uh, yeah, and they signed signed a Two Towers soundtrack. That's so yeah, amazing. Eight year old Paul. No, I wasn't eight at the time. But seventeen <laughs> year old Paul was kind of in awe of Liv Tyler. I'll be honest. So it was like, ah, hello. What a surprise! That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was pretty cool. So yeah. Yeah, I've, um, I I think it's like just got such a a wonderful, um life message there as well like you could do great things you could be anybody you could just be a yeah and, and just the shire and i think it's courage. i think it's kind of the also i mean the kind of a lot of criticism is aimed at the hobbit for example the hobbit trilogy for example because i think people have almost got bored of the epic <sighs> battles now but it's it's easy to forget <laughs> that kind of lord of the rings was the first time we'd seen these ma- massive fantasy battles of this yes. scale so it works yeah. and, and like, lord of and, the rings and it works makes incredibly well yes as three films the hobbit is a pretty short book yeah, you know, and they about a short three films. creature. So yeah, no, I, and and they added all these extra things in the Hobbit. And I remember, like one, I, I don't get me wrong, I didn't dislike the Hobbit trilogy, but I remember one of the um Hobbit um the, the dwarves, sorry, <clears throat> said, "Oh, do you not have chips?" And I was like, "They wouldn't say that. Why would they talk about chips in this universe? For goodness' sake!" It's not. It's not a documentary. I don't robots. care. <laughs> J.R. Tolkien would not know what chips are at this time. Just stop it. And like yeah, and and James Nesbitt in that. Was I, like, I hate James Nesbitt yeah. in anything, to be honest. So. Anyway, let's be positive anyway, about yeah. Lord of the Rings, not negative about the Hobbit. Love Lord of the Rings, yeah. Hobbit. All it's right. my number two as well. So that brings you on to your number one. I hope it's the same as your number one. If it's not on the list, then I think we're probably going to have a fight. Obviously, the original Star Wars. You're the original Star Wars, original correct? Star Wars. I mean, what? It couldn't be anything else. The Holy Trilogy. Uh, it, it couldn't be much else. I mean, what? What can you? Again, what can you say about Star Wars pitch that hasn't perfect, really though. been said? Yeah, yeah, pitch Perfect one to three, and the Hobbit trilogy. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, Star Wars: The Original Trilogy is just incredible. It has the perfect dark second act in Empire Strikes Back. Uh, which I think was number three on my top ten films of all time. Yeah. Um, the universe it's created has become absolutely timeless. Mm-hmm. Um, it fundamentally changed filmmaking and blockbuster mainstream science fiction yeah. forever, full yeah. stop. Um, and the classic epic themes of good versus evil are time absolutely timeless. Uh, and lightsabers and yeah. X-Wings. And I did, someone asked me the other day, what it is about Star Wars that grabs people so much. Yeah. And you just kind of you look at a picture of an X-Wing and you go, that. <laughs> just yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, maybe completely. it's the first thing, maybe it's because it's the first and it was certain. Yeah. That might, that might be a factor. But like, 
everyone looks at the Millennium Falcon and knows what the Millennium Falcon yeah, exactly. is. Ev- everyone, like yeah. everyone in, I'd say in West, certainly in Western society, would yeah. look at the Millennium Falcon and know what that is straight away. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely iconic. Yes, and the films are superb. Yes, and and I think this is why because a lot of people hated Solo, a Star Wars story, right? But I think this is why I resonated a bit more with Solo, Star Wars story than like Rogue One or what have you because it was kind I of at least like Solo quite trying a lot, to, you know, a heart back to the original films which yeah. are the best um i get really upset whenever i talk to my mum because she's just like oh star wars is vile i hate star wars i'm like you've never seen a star wars movie shut up so i'm gonna make her <laughs> watch she's just like oh i just hate things that aren't real she's like oh my god you don't even understand mom <laughs> escapism and imagination <laughs> and also when people are like oh ewoks what do you mean oh ewoks ewoks are bloody badass i love ewoks when that ewoks... i don't hate i don't actually hate the ewoks no, i can no. i can see the criticism <laughs> i have sent a, a legion of my finest troops <laughs> to endor and they will get beaten by ewoks so you i get that the you, you know I, if it had been wookie apparently and this is something i've read and it might well be a myth apparently that was supposed to be uh wookies oh, right. but they didn't have the budget to do an army of wookies oh. an army of wookies yeah i'll buy that Aww. I'll buy an army of Wookiees taking on Stormtroopers. An army of Wicket instead. Yeah, an Aww. army of Ewoks instead. But it's a minor gripe, to be honest. And it's a minor gripe. They're still pretty with... murderous, though, aren't they? <laughs> they are, yeah. You and wouldn't want you know, to mess with one. No, absolutely. So, yeah, the Ewoks are a minor gripe yeah. Um, with... Yeah, it's just films, like a series of films that I can watch time and time and time and time yeah. and time again and never get bored. Yeah. Especially, I have to say, Empire Strikes Back, which is just mm. fucking great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's our top five trilogies Yay. with a lot of love for Star Wars. People probably would have guessed that Star Wars would come up my number one. So I'm glad. I'm glad we've yeah. shared. We shared the top two together. That's yeah, nice. We did. Yeah. We did. All good. All good. Yeah. Right. We'll be back next week. Uh, next week we have a guest on. Everyone, we have uh, a filmmaker from Basingstoke who uh, we've reviewed some of his films way back when, when we was when Strange in Cinema was still doing short films. Uh, a guy called Jeff Harmer who is a filmmaker, and he also runs the legend, uh, the 1985 legend by Ridley Scott. He runs the film's Legends Facebook page, so we're going to be, and I watched Legend for the first time last night, and he messaged me straight away going, can I come on the show and talk about Legend? So it's like, yes, Jeff, you can. Uh, <laughs> and we look forward to working with him next week, where we'll probably do a bit of an extended feature talking about the film Legend, yeah. and then we'll be reviewing Vice as well, I would have thought. So Vice, probably a yeah. slight change up to the format next week, but we'll oh. see where we go with it. Yeah. So yeah, join us next week for a talk about Ridley Scott's Legend and Adam McKay's Vice. But Yay. in the meantime, find us on social media at Strangers Cinema Twitter, at Strangers in the Cinema on Facebook and Instagram, and we'll see you next week. Bye bye. Shut up and sit down.